Colorado has hopes to contend for the Pac-12 title, the national championship, but how do they square up against Utah, the team that's coming off back-to-back Pac-12 championships? I'm going to talk about that and more on today's episode of Locked on Buffs. You are Locked on Buffs, your daily podcast on the Colorado Buffaloes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? This is Locked on Buffs. I'm your host, Kevin Borbett, and this is a crossover episode. We got JT Wishersill from Locked on Utes joining us. We're going to be talking about how Colorado squares off, faces off against the back-to-back Pac-12 champs, the Utah Utes. We're going to be talking about what's changed from last year's matchup. Um, we don't need to talk about the score, but let's just say it wasn't pretty. And then both of these conferences are, or both of these schools, excuse me, are off to the Big 12. So we're going to dive in and kind of talk about what that changes for recruiting, um, the landscape of coaches and all that in between. But before we do, I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Bus and Locked on Utes your first listen every day. We appreciate you guys for tuning in. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. So make sure to follow us along. Okay, JT. Last year wasn't pretty by any means. Completely different Colorado roster. Obviously, they brought in Coach Prime. They brought in over 50 transfers. There's only 10 scholarship guys. Um, so what do you think on the Utah side of things, what are you expecting from Utah? Obviously they square off week 12 this year, by the way, guys. So a long way until the matchup, we're going to talk to JT multiple times before they play, but from the outside looking in and all the preseason noise about Utah and preseason noise about Colorado, what do you think is a likely result? Well, I'll start with Utah. I do think that Utah should be contending or at least competing for a spot in the Pac-12 championship by the time the year winds down. Now, I will say there are some questions, right? At this moment, we think Cam Rising is going to play earlier in the season, and especially we expect him to be ready by the time Pac-12 play rolls around, but things can happen. So if Cam doesn't play or injuries and other things occur, maybe it is a situation where by the time Week 12 rolls around, there is there's a scenario where Utah is out of the Pac-12 race overall. So that could change this matchup a little bit too. Utah has a brutal schedule. I mean, everyone in the Pac-12 is a brutal schedule this year. I mean, the conference is absolutely stacked and loaded with talent, but uh, this will be a a much different matchup than last year. I I think the one thing I'll say, I'll say two things. First of all, I actually think for Utah, if I was Utah, I'd rather play Colorado earlier in the season because I expect the Buffs personally to be playing their best ball towards the end of the year. You know, you just look at all those new pieces that are coming in. Usually it takes teams like that a little bit of time to gel early in the year, miscues, different things happen early on. So I expect Colorado to be playing a lot stronger at the end of the season. But I'll also say this. Utah has not lost a true home game since 2018. Mm. I, while I think Colorado has a chance to do it, I, I would be very surprised just if with this much turnover, you know, and the biggest, the best thing about Colorado, right, is all the skill position players, some of the defensive backs that they brought in, but still in the trenches is where they're not as strong as, say, a Utah and Oregon, some of the other Pac-12 schools. That's where I would just expect Utah at home to be able to impose their will rushing the ball a little bit. I, I do ex- would expect Utah to win this game pretty handedly. It, when it's at home late in the year, but I'll say once again, I think there is a chance the buffs could come in and somehow pull off. what would be a monumental upset just because of you get a player in there who's special, like a Shador Sanders, who will be playing his best ball when, by the time the season comes to a close. And just in general, I could see a world where that's the signature win for coach prime's team. And especially I should say too, Utah's lost a true own game since 2018. They, they could lose one. Well, before they play Colorado, they have Oregon coming to town. They have Florida week one coming to town. So there's other opportunities too, where things can not go Utah's way. I would be surprised if Utah lost to Colorado in the final week of the regular season, but this is not what this game has been in the past where it's just like, Oh, you can sleep in whatever, just roll out of bed and, and beat the buffs. This is a different Colorado team, but if Utah brings their a game, I do expect them to win. Yeah, Utah, very obviously a very good team. There's there's a reason they've won back-to-back Pac-12 titles. And in my intro, I said Colorado wants to win one. They they plan on contending. Um, I think 
the fan base is very confident in this team. I think the team itself is very confident, which they should be. Obviously, it's before the season. Um, they've got a much improved pretty much everywhere. The trenches do worry me, especially in a matchup like a team against Utah, who um, they basically build their roster from the trenches out. <laughs> and so they have great offense linemen, great defense linemen. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, one thing that I'm interested to see as well, though, and you kind of alluded to it, is Colorado hitting their stride. Um, we obviously don't know what the, the, the valleys look like, but we also don't know what the peaks look like for Colorado. Um, I think that's kind of the unfortunate part about their schedule, too, is like you would like to start off with a, like a cupcake matchup against like the Citadel or like maybe a SES school to to get things rolling. But they open up with TCU. Then they go to then they have Nebraska come to town. Then they play a, a rival in Colorado State who they should beat but it's still a rivalry game. So there's still going to be intensity there. And Colorado State's looking to kind of take that next step as a program as well. So no breaks for Colorado really throughout until I would say until I want to say it's around week five or six when they get Stanford. Um, And even then, who knows what Stanford's going to be with their new head coach. So we don't know what Colorado's going to be, though, when they start finding that momentum. And I think that could be the difference between them maybe winning this game or at least keeping it competitive. Because obviously if they struggle and – um, the worst thing that could, that could happen to Colorado too is injuries. Um, I would say the biggest criticism is their lack of depth because they have great starters and they have guys who could be good role players off the bench, but do they have enough guys to come in and kind of last the full season? Because obviously, like we said, that's week 12. So a lot could happen from week one to week 12. Obviously we hope nobody gets injured, but that could be a, a factor as well. Um, let me change up the question a little bit. Say Cam rising for some reason, is obviously he didn't get injured again, but doesn't play or something. Yeah. Um, because he's he's missed games before. Mm-hmm. Um with even I don't he missed a game last year, right? Where it was just like he had a, a smaller injury that everybody thought he'd play through. Correct. Right. Yes, he got hurt against USC the first go around, missed the Washington State game, was not himself against Arizona and Stanford. And even by the time they played Oregon, it wasn't really till later in the season they started to look like himself, one of those games being against Colorado. But like you said, we won't we won't talk about that. Yeah, maybe he gets the sniffles or something. He's just not up yeah. to himself. And like they, they're like, oh, you know what? We just had a pandemic. Sit out, sit this one out, you know. Um, and Bryson Barnes is starting, or Nick Rose, or whoever it may be. What, what do you like? Do you like Colorado's chances better then, or do you, are you confident with whoever is at the quarterback position? Yeah, whether it would be, let's say Camden go, like you said, and it's whether it's. Bryson Barnes, Brandon Rose, maybe even Nate Johnson somehow. A lot of different quarterbacks could be for this Utah team. The one thing – oh, no, you're good. The one thing I still go back to is it'd be different to me if this game was at Colorado. It's just Utah has been so good at home. And that's where, like I said, kind of being the thing I was talking about earlier, I just feel like Utah's going to be able to run the ball. And when Utah can run the ball, it's they just rarely lose games when they really get that ground game going. They have Even if Utah suffers some injuries in their backfield, I mean, they have one of the deepest running back rooms in the country. When you talk about a guy like Jaquindon Jackson who just switched over there, Makai Bernard, who's been a really stable guy for this program for the last three years, a guy like Chris Curry, who won a national championship with LSU all those years ago and is somehow still in college, um, and then a, a young, explosive sophomore now in Jalen Glover, too. I just feel like Utah's enough backs to rotate through. They'd be able to control the time of possession and everything like that. And they've won Utah's won games with Bryson Barnes too. That's the other thing. I and Bryson's actually catching a lot of flack right now. I know people don't love Bryson, but it's just hard to win games in general. So anytime you got a guy who's done that, I still feel good about that. And look to me, the game where Bryson won, where he went on the road to Washington state last year and was able to get a Utah win is a tougher matchup to me on paper, at least right now, than when Colorado comes to town late in the season. But as you mentioned, this is what's so hard to project a team like the Buffs. How are they going to do? You know, Kevin, one thing from the outside, I'm just very interested about this team in general, is with Coach Prime, 
um, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. He just really hasn't lost a lot at any level he's ever been at. And there is a world where they could start the season one and two, or, I mean, I don't think they'll start 0 and three, but like, it just, those are the kind of things like that could happen with it. Cause every game you look at it, you're like, there's a chance here. I'm curious to see how he'll do with that, how the roster will handle that with so many new players and everything. You probably kind of transferred in thinking, you know, it was going to be good at least early and everything in there. But yeah, I mean, if cam, obviously you, f- you would feel better if you're Utah, if cam was playing, but mm. even if he's not playing, I just think once again, where Utah has the edge in the matchup, they have a pretty major edge. So I would mm. still expect Utah to be able to come out on top, even without cam rising, but it's obviously in that case, it'd be a much closer game. I just think the overall depth and talent of Utah would show up and show out like they did against Washington state, which allowed them to get a tough win in Pullman last year. Yeah. Couple things. One, Nick Rose, former Texas kicker. I used to cover Texas and follow Texas. He just popped in the head. Jaquin and Jackson, former Texas Longhorn legend. Uh, actually, I don't think he did much there. I mean, he, he was there for a cup of coffee and That's then high school legend. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Duncanville legend. Um, but yeah, I think the point that you made about Coach Prime kind of struggling, um, if he does struggle, obviously, we, well, we don't know until it actually happens, but he's really never struggled anywhere. anywhere. So that'll be interesting. That's kind of been. Um, my biggest question, I did an episode with my biggest questions about Colorado, and that was one of them is how he handles adversity and how the team handles adversity because he's a very confident guy, exuberant um, vibes, great vibes, a vibe curator, if you will. How are his vibes if they lose three straight? You know, does he kind of – is he not as fun? Is Obviously, it's not going to be fun when you're losing. Is he a little more strict? Does he start maybe – changing things up. I don't know. So we're, we're going to have to wait and see. Obviously that's a, a wait and see kind of, kind of thing, but, but uh, yeah, a lot to be excited about. Um, this other thing to be excited about is our great sponsor, um, eBay motors. Um, before we move on, I need to tell you a little bit about my favorite sponsor over at eBay motors. Um, JT knows it as well as I do. Uh, if you're for built, trying to build a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. And when you shop on eBay Motors with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right price on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible eligible items only exclusions apply okay jt we talked about the matchup as a whole um let's talk about what's different um i'll kind of start this one off and Mm -hmm. just because obviously i not to make it about myself and my my show but there's a little more different with colorado than there is with utah um (laughs) for better for worse whatever it could be a great thing could be a bad thing by the end of the year we won't know um but what's different about this matchup, um, these teams? And so we're going to dive into that right now. Uh, Colorado, obviously, last year's quarterback situation, we'll just go position by position. They had around three or four guys rotate in and out of quarterback. They never really had anyone consistent. Um, I think the most consistent quarterback was Owen McCown, at McCown, and he's now at UTSA backing up Frank Harris. Um, running backs, they had Deion Smith. He was, he was decent. Um, he's now at BYU, I believe. The offensive line, completely gone. Uh, we have a new line, um, new defensive line, new linebacker group, brand new secondary, except for, excuse me, Trevor Woods is one of the 10 remaining guys from last year's roster. Uh, new staff. Uh, obviously, they brought in um, a few Alabama guys. They brought in guys with head coaching experience like Sean Lewis. And so Colorado, um, to summarize all this in one sentence, brand new roster, um, big expectations. What would you say has changed about Utah? 
So for what's changed about Utah, we can kind of do the same thing, go position by position. This is what mm-hmm. makes, I mean, Utah so rare, right? Like how many guys, you've won two back-to-back, you won back-to-back Pac-12 championships, and you still have so many guys from the team still on your yeah. roster overall. So quarterback, still the same. It's going to be Cam Rising. Uh, running back-wise, look, Tavion Thomas is gone, but I mean, look, that's what, what Jaquindon, one of Jaquindon Jackson's best games last year was against Colorado. That's one of the games he really popped and just showed how explosive and special he can be. So you feel good about everyone in that running back room overall. Then you look on the outside, your top two receivers are back. You get a couple of new transfers in there as well, who I think should be nice complimentary pieces. Could One of those guys even has a history with Cam Rising. And, the, you know, the crazy thing for Utah, too, I'll say is this. When you look at, they lost Dalton Kincaid, right? I don't know if there's a better transition in college football from great player to great player when you're talking about Brant Keithy back in the fold, who looked like he was going to be the best pass catcher on Utah's roster after the first game against the Florida Gays last year. Brant has two seasons over 600 yards receiving. I think this year he could usually easily go over 800, honestly. I think he's that special of a pass catcher um, just for his ability to create separation as a route runner and all the special things he even does after the catch. So, um, uh, And then three starters return along the offensive line. And if you look at the defensive, look, defensive side of the ball, pretty much everyone along the defensive side line is back. That was a group overall that was really up and down, but I thought was playing their best ball towards the end of the season, and I just expect those guys to continue to grow over the offseason and just a lot of them in their second year with a bigger role with the team overall. And you do get a guy in Junior Tufuna who's a pretty special leader up there. Linebacker-wise, a couple of new guys, uh, or one new guy really came in, and Leovani DeMuni, a Stanford transfer. And when you talk about DeMuni, he had some really good games at Stanford overall, so I think the linebacker's in a good spot. Clark Phillips is by far the biggest loss to me on this Utah team, but you brought in a guy in Miles Battle where it's like, okay, your second and third best corner from last year are back. You brought over another guy with a lot of SEC experience, so he's gone against some really good receivers, and your two safeties are both should be really good. Sione Vaki is a name to really watch for to pair with Cole Bishop back there. And I I think this has the makings to be the best secondary in the Pac-12. I really do. I think last year they got maligned a lot because there would be games like Caleb Williams threw up numbers on them. But so much to me, to that to me was the pass rush couldn't get home in five seconds. And it's so hard to cover college receivers for more than five seconds. So I expect that pass rush to be better. I expect the secondary to be able to, like I said, I already think they're good. So I expect them to be a little better. So there's just not a lot of turnover on this Utah, Utah roster. They're really fortunate for that. Um, and that's where it's going to be a little bit of an issue for them in the Big 12 next year. Is there's going to be a lot of turnover probably overall. But, yeah, I think Utah's in a really good position with how much continuity is coming back. I mean, look, Kevin, you mentioned it. When Colorado is going to have five new offensive linemen, that is that's I mean, that's kind of rare in college football. We see that I think that group will and that group should be playing some of their best ball by the time they get to Utah. But especially early on in the season, like it, when you can practice and try to train for everything, but nothing's like games. So when you got exotic blitzes and everything coming at you, it's really going to come down to that communication up front. And yeah. if they're not able to execute and come together earlier in the season, some of those losses could pile up just because of how other teams could be able to attack them early. Yeah, the offense line, um, they do have a returning center, I guess I failed to mention, but five new guys playing together. These guys, they didn't even play together yeah. in the spring because honestly, yeah. the spring roster was different than this one. Um, I think you could have scrimmaged the spring roster versus the fall roster and you'd outside of the quarterbacks in a few positions, you'd you'd have enough people to do so because there were so many changes. Um, I think a major thing that's changed for Colorado, uh, this is off the field. Obviously, the coach, I mean, still kind of off the field, uh, not that far off the field, but Coach Prime yeah. brings in a lot more confidence. Um, he himself, I think, being one of the best football players of all time, I think he's going to bring in knowledge and just a wherewithal that maybe we haven't really seen at the college level. Um, I think it's rare that we see a former great player become a coach and succeed. Um, I see it, we see it a lot in the NBA, for example. We see guys like uh, Larry Bird uh, didn't coach very well. Uh, we see guys who just don't. 
I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like sometimes the great guys have trouble explaining to not so great players, like what the difference is or like what they're doing wrong. But coach Prime, like you said earlier in the show, he had success at Jackson state. Um, he had success coaching um, in high school when he was Shadur's offensive coordinator. Um, he brings a new energy. And I think that's what Colorado needs. The fan base is going to be engaged, um, which the Colorado fan base, let me tell you, they're always engaged, but now I think they have reasons to be excited. It's not just like, Oh, we go to Colorado and we love our bus. Now it's like, Oh, our program is headed in the right direction. So we get to support that. I think that's the big difference too. And honestly, I think that's going to kind of, it won't play a huge role, but I think the support and the the IQ from coach prime will really pay dividends. Yeah. I think that's absolutely, like you said, you just, the confidence that someone like coach prime will instill in his players or like knowing that he's leading you, the trust you have in him. I think we see a lot of coaches lose their locker room because their players don't end up trusting them. Uh, I don't think coach prime has that problem. He, like you said, there's only, what is it? 10 players on scholarship. Kevin, you said like yeah. that, which is a crazy number, but those guys and everyone else still there is very bought into coach prime. They're there because of him, especially all the guys who transferred and just came in. And I think they're excited to work with him. And I think because of that, this team isn't going to quit on the season like they did last year. So Utah, if Utah beats the buffs, I think it's just because Utah at that point in the season would be like a, that much better of a team. It won't be because Colorado just rolled over, which I think in some ways is a little bit of what happened last year, just by the time the season was winding down for them. It didn't, you know, just wasn't really things weren't going their way overall. It's much different this time around. And yeah, I think that's something with you hear Utah players all the time, right? Like, cause I think Colorado's goal, once they get to the big 12 would be to be back to back champions, just like you conference champions, like Utah just was right. And I think the way you do that is you have to start with, it all starts with the head coach. Kyle Whittingham has been a staple for Utah football, the way he's recruited and the way he's adapted as well. I mean, you just see coaches as long, as long tenured as Kyle Whittingham, usually like by now are kind of, I mean, look at like TCU with Gary Patterson. That didn't work out. They get Sonny Dykes in there. They have a boom their first year. Um, I was kind of falling off a little bit. Kyle Whittingham is one of the long-term coaches who has had his last, like he's just adapted really well and adjusted and Utah's really profited because of it. And you have a lot of players there who love and would run through a brick wall for Kyle Whittingham. It's going to be the same thing with coach prime. So even though I think Utah is going to win this matchup this year, and if cam plays and everything's going Utah's way, I still think they should win it pretty handily, not as handily as they did last year, but they should still win it pretty handily. I can definitely see a world where coach prime makes this more interesting. And I think, especially in the future in the big 12, this could, it won't be the rivalry because Utah BYU will be the rivalry, but this could like then just be a little develop into its own little bit of a rivalry that it yeah. never was the Pac-12, even though they kind of tried to build it and make it as such. Yeah. I think especially talking about Kyle, I think his ability to kind of adapt with the transfer portal, mm -hmm. um, especially late is interesting. Um, Coach Prime has been very open to the transfer portal, as we know. Um, he may have revolutionized the transfer portal, if we're being honest. After this season, it could either be something that other coaches try to do when they get a new job and just bring in a whole new roster, or it could be something that no one ever attempts again because of how poorly it could happen. I'm not saying it won't work, guys, but it could mm -hmm. not work. Um, yeah, there's a lot to be excited about about this matchup. Great coaches, um, bought-in rosters, and I think the one thing you mentioned, too, is last year's Colorado team rolled over. I didn't even cover Colorado last year, and on TikTok or like social media – I would see them kind of joking about being one in 10, one in 11. Like there was kind of like memes out there where players were posting TikToks. I don't know if you remember the little trend where you're sailing on the boat across the, the water with the sad music and they were making jokes about winning one game. And I was like, interesting. That will not fly with coach prime. I know that for a fact. Um, he will, he will tell you to, to skedaddle. We've already seen, he's not afraid to tell someone to hit the road. Um, when we come back, we're going to conclude the show with, discussion about the big 12 um we're both going to the big 12 uh, we're gonna i'm gonna be big 12 borba and he's gonna be big 12 jt and about this time next year so when we come back we're gonna be talking about the move to the big 12
Okay, we are back, JT. We're talking about Colorado and Utah's move to the Big 12, um, what it changes for both of them, and what you kind of see as the outcome. I think for Colorado especially, they never really found their spot in the Pac-12 and just never felt like they fit. Um, I think a lot of the arguments where a lot of their alumni are from California or in the Pac-12 footprint, that made sense to me, but that didn't, that doesn't win football games. It, it, it really didn't. They had two winning seasons, which I count as one and a half because one of them was the COVID year. Um, and the other one, they, it was like peaks and valleys. I'm telling you, they made it all the way to the Pac-12 title game one time and then kind of just fell off after that. And so I think the Big 12 offers them a new life. Um, obviously, it gives Coach Prime access to Texas and uh, Florida even more than he already has. And it kind of gives them a chance to take over the conference because Utah, like you said, experience this year. Next year, though, going to be replacing a lot. Um, and the Big 12 as a whole, um, Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. Um, Oklahoma was down anyway. Oklahoma State's down. Kansas State has a lot of experience this year. So what will they be next year? So I think the Big 12 will be up for grabs. What do you think? We've seen how quickly coaches can take over a program and kind of rebuild their roster and transform them into a contender. I just mentioned what Coach Dykes did down at TCU. Now I think the difference between like why TCU was able to do it and why Colorado probably won't be in the college football playoff this year is TCU was in a little bit of a better spot when Coach Dykes took over than Colorado was. But I do think you got, you're seeing the teardown this year. We'll see how this year plays out. But then next year is I do think when you get Shadur in his second year playing at the Power 5 level, when you get even more of the transfers and just recruits and more high-profile guys in, depending on how the season goes for Coach Prime as well, you could continue to get high-level players who want to be a part of that. That's where I think they will have a really good chance to contend for the Big 12, potentially, even in their first year. Look, the Big 12, it's going to be really interesting. I'm, I'm very excited about the move to the Big 12. I The reason I, I was on my own show, I was a little down on the move at first, just because I knew what it would do to the Pac-12. I did not not want to see the Pac-12 die, and, and Unfortunately, that's what happened now. But just in terms of now looking ahead, I think there's tons of great matchups and rivalries and so many great programs. And the Big 12 is just a kind of conference where, especially with like a Texas and Oklahoma leaving, even though Texas and Oklahoma haven't really been dominant forces in the college landscape in a while. I'll give Oklahoma some credit. They would at least make yeah. the playoff. They just wouldn't do that well when they got there. Right. But I, I do think that this is the kind of league where you could see no team go back to back for like five, five to ten years even. I think you could just continue mm. to turn over. Maybe Utah's their year. Colorado could have their year. Uh, Baylor gets it right. Texas Tech, just all these different teams and programs that I am very high on. I think it, the Big 12 also has the potential to cannibalize itself like the Pac-12 did. Now, the nice thing is it's a 12-team playoff, so you're still getting someone in the in a postseason play, but we'll see how many uh, once the year comes to a close. But I could definitely see a world where Colorado competes. Like I said, I think the really key for them is just continue to get stronger in the trenches. I'm someone who believes that a lot of games especially are won and lost in that position, and you also need the quarterback. And I do think that Shador Sanders, especially next year, I think he's going to be good this year, but I think especially next year can be one of the 10 best quarterbacks in college football will he be that this year maybe i'm just curious about that like i said just a big jump in competition that's where i just want to see how it's going to do and just in general um the colorado will be at a talent deficit at certain positions depending on the t- competition they're playing that week too i don't think next year you'll be in that as well so i think both utah and colorado by the this time next year we could both be talking about them as having the potent- chance to win a big 12 title which it's just crazy. Once again, they're both in the Big 12, but I think they're both set up for success long-term in the Big 12 with the way and level that Utah and Colorado soon is going to be recruiting and playing at. Yeah, I think, too, also, they're both both programs are kind of in a phase where I think they recognize the Big 12 is up for grabs. Because mm-hmm. if I ask you right now, who's the marquee brand in the Big 12, who would you say? Oh, and, God. like, y- your answer would be different than the 10 other people. Yeah. So it doesn't even know. It's not that I don't care about your answer, but it's going to be different. Like, I would say... 
if I had to pick one right now, I would say it's TCU. Yeah. Just because of recency bias. Mm -hmm. But if I'm going off the the history of the conference, as of like, we'll go last 10 years, it'd be Oklahoma State. But then maybe someone makes a case for Baylor or something. So it's just all over the place. And that's where Colorado and Utah come in to play. And also, I wanted to run two things by you. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to give you five teams in the Big 12 that I think could challenge both Utah and Colorado. Um, And I I want you to give me a grade for each one. Um, And also, I wanted to run a, because you were talking about Shadar Sanders, just wanted to run a stat by you. Fall, a fall camp stat. So take it, take it with a grain of salt. Twenty-two touchdowns, no picks through week one. That's that, that got the that's the that got the eyebrow raise from JT. I think that was a, a slight eyebrow raise over there. Okay, so these are the five schools that I think could give us the big both schools the biggest challenge, and this is how we're going to conclude the episode. You just give them a grade and talk maybe a little breakdown. Up first, Kansas State. Um, they won the Big Twelve last year. Um, they kind of are viewed as the second best team in the conference this year behind Texas. Yeah, I, I think Kansas State's solid. As for a grade, I'll give them a B. I think they're one of those teams where some years they'll be in that game, and then other years it'll be like, oh, man, they had a losing record. I just think they're the kind of school that can go either way for me, depending on the recruiting class and the talent, how it hits that season. Gotcha. Okay, UCF. Um, this is kind of a potential rivalry brewing between Colorado and UCF. Battle of the black and gold? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, for me, I just need to see it more with UCF. I'm so much higher on what Colorado is building right now than I am UCF. I'll go UCF. Ooh, I'm going to go low on UCF. I'm going to give them like a C+. I, okay. I'm not just convinced yet for them to be a Big 12 rival for Colorado. I like Colorado the next couple of years a lot more than UCF, at least right now. Okay, in terms of like challenging both of these programs for overtaking the top of the conference, does your grade change? Because if they're recruiting well, back-to-back nine-win seasons, Gus Malzahn's there. They got Florida. <laughs> yeah, they do have that aspect of it. I'll go maybe. I don't know still. I said I like Gus. I just, I just, you know what? It's, it's just one racer. of those programs that, yes, they were the de facto national champions that one year. But I don't know. It's just the Big 12 slate. All that brings all the travel they're going to have to do each season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that's one team for me. I look, I'm already, I believing in what Colorado's building. I'm going to believe it when I see it with uh, UCF personally. Okay. Um, in terms of challenging Colorado and Utah, BYU, your rival Colorado's kind of, I guess other, could be Colorado could be their other rival, but how did they challenge Utah and be or Colorado, excuse me for being that top team? What would you give them grade wise? As a joke, I want to give them an F obviously because of <laughs> BYU, but being honest, I'll go. I think BYU does have a little bit to go still. Like just till they're up and at that level overall, I'll go B minus for BYU. I still think they can get up there eventually, but I'm just not, I'm not as high on them as I am. Like I said, just when you factor in what Utah's building and then what I do think coach prime is going to start building, I'm much higher on them than BYU. Who's coming off a really disappointing season last year. And I don't know how much better it's going to be their first season in the big 12. Cause that schedule is pretty rough. Kevin pretty rough and they're replacing a quarterback a, a, quor- quarter- a good quarterback in college football can win you at least seven games like it it yeah. is what it is and this year i don't think keon slovis i don't know what he is anymore um back in the day at usc i was like this guy's he's amazing and then then he wasn't and then he transferred to Pitt, and i was like second life keaton here we go and then he was not good again i was like mm-hmm. oh maybe he's just not what we thought he once was mm-hmm. okay we got two more schools before we head out texas tech um Last year, and this is a Big 12 joke that will forever live in infamy for them, um, they beat Texas, and then their coach in the locker room after said the Big 12 runs through Lubbock. Um, Unfortunately, it did not run through Lubbock. They had nothing to do with the Big 12 picture last year, but they are building something special in Lubbock. And so I I think I'm higher on them than most people are. What would you give them? I am as well because I'm going to give them an A minus. I think that's the kind of school you just the point you made about the quarterbacks is dead on to me. If they get the right guy in there some years, and I think they have a decent quarterback this coming season, I forget what his name is, but I do think like just in years when everything clicks for them, I think they could definitely contend and potentially win a Big 12 championship. Okay, our fifth and final school 
for who could challenge Colorado and Utah the most. Um, let's go Iowa State. We've seen them be good. We've seen them be not so good. But one thing we know is that they're always going to play close games. They lost. I want to say it's within the last two years, I think they've lost 10 games by single digits or something. So they're always right there. And I think Utah and Iowa State match up very interestingly, both physical and kind of brute teams. What do you think? I agree. I'm a huge Matt Campbell fan. I'll give this one an A. I'll give this one my highest grade yet. Them and Texas Tech are very comparable to me. Um, they like I said, they just always they play those close games. They come out in some of them, some of them they don't. It's just I'd be interested to see if they how many times they can make a Big 12 championship game. But the years when it clicks for them, they do get those close games on their side and they get the right talent in there. I mean, this is the guy who had Brock Purdy there not so long ago. I, I do think things could work out for them. I can definitely see them contending with Utah and Colorado. Okay, before we go, I need a bold prediction about Utah by you. Um, okay, let's just go straight bold. Um, Utah, because of tiebreakers, is going to once again make the Pac-12 championship game, and they will three-peat as Pac-12 champions, knocking off whoever. I do think they'll have two conference losses again, just like they did last year, but I think almost everyone in the conference is going to because it's so brutal. So that's my bold take, is Utah does win the Pac-12 once again. I like it. My bold take for Colorado, they're going to make a bowl game. That that like feels it. bold to me. I agree. I think that's bold enough. I don't, National championship cup. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I think a bowl game feels bold. Um, I appreciate you. Appreciate you, JT, for coming on the show. You guys go check them out. Locked on Utes, which you can see over here in the corner. Um, tell them where they can find you on social media and wherever your other work is. Yeah, at JT Wistersill on social media. Also give us a follow at Locked on Utes five days a week, just like you guys at Locked on Buffs. Appreciate you for having me on, Kevin. And yeah, just keep it glued to those social media handles and keep it locked on Utes where we'll continue to crank out content because college football is finally almost here, Kevin. By the time this episode drops, college football will be here in like a week. So very excited and we will see you guys tomorrow.